0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. I'm Glenn and I'm Tanner. And today we have a special guest with us. We have Adam Griffin. Uh, Adam, we are so excited to have you on the show. I'm going to just kind of give you a brief intro for everybody. And then I'm going to ask you to kind of take the reins and tell us more about you. Um, But. Adam is the lead pastor of Eastdale Community Church in Eastside, Dallas. Texas. Eastside.
1: Eastside. east side, but it was close oh enough. My gosh. Yeah, you can find <laughs> that. Eastdale is also a great. I've never heard of it. But I'm sure they're wonderful.
2: Oh man! So behind the scenes for everybody, like we have just completely gone off the rails in the first ten minutes. It's really nobody's Adam. fault
1: but Kyle's. If you think about it, yeah, yeah, uh, right. they won't even hear him. Yeah, yeah. Kyle can save this whole mess. There's no the reason to be on the rails when you're just talking Bible and stuff. It's it's no, crazy. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. I'm I'm the pastor of Eastside Community Church. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm glad to be a I'm glad to be the pastor where I'm at. I, I love being a husband. I love being a father. I've gotten the chance to be an author. I've gotten the chance to be a speaker. Uh, but I'm I'm really honored to be part of uh, the podcasting world, and yeah. we have our own podcast coming out soon. But I I love getting to stuff like stuff like this. Getting to meet people that love the Bible, love talking with people. This is great.
0: Yeah. Thanks, so, man. I, Adam, actually, while we're on the topic, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, you have a book coming out and um, you, you get this podcast or you, you have a book out in the podcast. Yep. Yep. Why don't you tell us a little bit about both of those um,
1: as well? Yeah, great. Well, to make it easy, they're both the same title. So we, uh, Matt Chandler and I wrote a book called Family Discipleship that came out from Crossway in August of 2019, 2020. Actually, it was one year ago this month came out. And uh, we loved the working on that project. It took us years. I'm really proud of the work we did, and really proud of the product that came out of it. And now, one year later, I'm starting up a podcast about the same topic called Family Discipleship. That's right, man. Holding up to the camera, I, yeah. I don't know <laughs> if we're video podcasting or not, but for those listening at home who can't see, we just both held up copies of the book, uh, so like a like a coaster. Um, and then we got a podcast by the same title that comes out, uh, or it just started. It started September sixth. Of this year, this fall. And I'm excited about the guests we've got on uh, with the same kind of hope as the book, which is to equip parents to think about leading their homes spiritually. You guys are Christians. You know that, like, it's a big time tradition in the Christian world that when you get engaged, you get premarital counseling. But uh, Mm -hmm. that's very, very typical, very common. But for some reason, when you become a parent, which is also something really important that God gives us very special instructions about. There's no tradition of saying, let's make sure you're equipped for this. Let's talk about what that's going to look like. We just kind of throw you to the wolves. They send you home with a kid and say, good luck, Uh, (laughs) raise them, raise them right. See you later. You know, and then, man, we're going to stand before the Lord one day. And one of the biggest investments he gives somebody is a child to be stewarded. And so we thought the the book needed to be written. Happy to write it. The podcast I'm really excited about. In fact, Matt's on our, our second episode. He'll be on talking with us about what discipleship looks like in his household and Man, I'm, I'm really honored to play a role. I should say at the front end, though, I am a very imperfect parent. I am not uh, standing before you today as like a, the perfect example of perfect fatherhood, uh, nor are my kids perfect. But I am honored <laughs> sure, to be able yeah. to speak into this world as an imperfect parent trying to po- follow a perfect God.
0: Well, that's awesome. I know that Tanner and I can both appreciate and are excited uh, to hear some episodes come out. We we talk about our kids on this show all the time uh, and how we constantly fail, but want to do better. Uh, so I am, I am personally excited to hear what you guys have to say.
2: Yeah, man. And and I read the book and it's super great. I will give you a compliment that you probably had nothing to do with, but What's this that? is the best
1: feeling book oh.
2: I think I may have ever held. That's why it's on the desk. Sometimes I just
1: rub it. Because- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but the no. texture meeting we had about what texture, I wanted sandpaper. They yeah. went with like smooth and nice to touch, which is yeah. great. I wanted it to be a dual great. purpose. You could, you know, make the table smooth. No, it actually, it really does feel good. Our, our My dear friend, Ryan Gerald did the cover design. And it was uh, one of the biggest debates we had around the book. I, I, I wanted something, Crossway wanted something else. Uh, I feel like I ended up winning, but I'm really there happy with the way it turned out.
2: That's awesome. Well, what's inside the book is also really good, but I just had to give a shout out. Maybe that'll make people want to buy it and see what, what, what this is all about. Um, but okay, so the book's called Family Discipleship. The podcast yep. is called Family Discipleship. Yep. So let's start there. What what are we talking about? What's family discipleship?
1: Great. Well, in the book, uh, we define in family discipleship as the uh, critically important, but mostly ordinary spiritual leadership of your home. And by that, we mean uh, two very distinct things. Critically important, meaning like because the Lord's called us to do it, because yes. he deserves our worship. And because we're talking about the priority of a human soul who lives in your household, family discipleship, your spiritual leadership at home is very important. It's important to God, so it should be important to you. It's it's the great commission that starts behind your front door. It starts around your dining room table. It starts at the foot of the crib. It, that's It's the job you're called to to make disciples. It's very important. And at the same time, we say it's mostly ordinary, meaning that the best version of it is just, it's normal. In my household where I I engage in family discipleship. I don't just write about it. I have three sons. It is so normal for me to talk about what God has said or what Mm -hmm. God thinks or what the Christian worldview is or for us to pray together or open the Bible together or for me to pray for my kids as I drop them off at school or to ask them what the Lord would want of them in a certain circumstance as I discipline them to talk about grace and mercy. It's the best version of family discipleship is not where it's some compartment of your life and then you have the rest of your life. The rest of your life is sports and school and friends. And then you have this compartment that's God's on Sunday morning from nine to noon. You know, the best version of family discipleship is normal, ordinary, every day, woven into what you normally do, Talking about the things of God, pointing out godly characteristics that we want to see in our kids, and putting us pointing out the character of God that we see in God, in and around us. And so it's critically important. Mostly ordinary spiritual leadership in your home.
2: I love that, man. Love that. And so I think the first one everyone just kind of feels like, like Glenn and I said, or like Glenn said earlier, rather, we mess up, but we know, like, ah, yeah. oh, we gotta, we gotta try to get this right, but. You guys talking about that, that second piece, how it's mostly ordinary, was really helpful to me. And earlier you were saying, you know, we get marriage counseling. We all kind of realize, like, I, I need to prepare for this. But we don't yeah. do that with family. But I remember finding out my wife was pregnant with our first child and just immediately feeling, I am not, <laughs> I am not ready for <laughs> this. Yeah. I, I think I was 21. I think I was 22 when she was born, um, and so I was like, "Yeah, I, I got a lot of work to do." And so I went to my pastor and was like, "Hey, you have three kids. I think at the time, teach me, like, help me out." That's and good. Like, okay, let's let's meet every other week. We're gonna go through a couple of books, and I'm just gonna ask you first and foremost. Obviously, he was he, we were working through some marriage stuff, and he's like, "You got to be a good husband," and, yes. and then we'll we'll also work on the dad thing. Um, yeah. But one of the things he said that I'll never forget was they're probably not going to remember like this one amazing devotional that you prepared one time and put a lot right. of effort into. You you put so much stress on like that that weekly thing that you set up or whatever. He said but what they are going to remember is you being consistent. You being yeah. Uh, you know, twenty years from now, them thinking, my dad always opened the Bible with us, like mm. uh, all the time. It was just part of what we did. My dad just prayed for us every night. It was in our culture of a family. It was in our routines. He's yeah. like, those are the things. The cumulative cumulative effects is what's really gonna have an impression on them. So I thought that was <laughs> really helpful when you you put that in the definition. It's mostly ordinary.
1: Yeah, and, and to your point. Uh, we we expect uh or maybe we think in comparison in this imaginary hypothetical idea that in other christian households kids must be like sitting around in a circle they can't wait to hear what their parents have to say about the bible they just want more and the kids are praying and and like the, the holy spirit's arriving physically and we're just seeing like kids float around everybody's versions of family discipleship are mostly ordinary it's yeah. not superlative experiences either it's it is on occasion, certainly on occasion. Sometimes it's so bad that it's memorable. And sometimes it's so good that it's memorable. For, for the most part, uh, I think the best versions of family discipleship are ordinary. They're just the work you do every day. You you talked about this, uh, the, the modeling. Like it's it's who I am as a follower of Christ around my kids. Yep. That is an everyday ordinary example of how an imperfect person follows God.
2: Yeah. So
0: that actually leads me into to two things. Sorry, Glenn, go ahead. No, it's okay. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna say, yeah, we've we've been witnessing that a lot in our family. Uh, more recently, my son seems to be grasping some of those routines that we have. Um, yeah. We pray every night before bed, and um, we sing together at church, and and all these different yeah. things. And so, uh, the other night, we were getting ready for bed, and we we didn't pray as we were getting ready, and he just called us out, and he's like, "Aren't mm-hmm. we going to tell God?" you know, aren't we going to say thank you to God for these things? And I'm like, you're right, buddy. We are.
1: (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's a perfect uh, example of it being so ordinary that when you don't do it, your kids notice. And that's what I I really feel like. That's what spiritual leadership should be. It's just ordinary. And I get that that can sound intimidating to a person who's starting from nothing, but we're talking about getting there. I'm not talking about uh, the same way. If I said to you, Tanner, hey, do you want to run a marathon with me? We just got, we've got six months to get ready. You wouldn't go, okay, so I'm going to run 26 miles tomorrow and just see how that goes. Yeah. You go, no, I'm going to have to start with some small incremental steps that eventually get to me to the place where running is so ordinary that when I need to run 26 miles, I can do it.
2: I don't know if you noticed, but the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we've actually been on the International Space Station.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah,
2: it's different than the ambiance we normally go for, but it's still interesting. We got a little radio chatter in the background from old Houston. You got Captain Kirk over there zipping up his sleeping bag. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, just living our life. Yeah, I mean, it has been. It's one small step for man, but one giant leap for Bible and stuff to be able to be buskers. On the International Space Station. It's amazing. I've never seen my scale so low before. (laughs) Yeah, but if you can't, like us, be here in person
2: to drop a tip in our tip jar, we wanted to still give you the opportunity to help us out by making a virtual tip jar. So while our russian friends who are walking by can leave a dollar and even chester the monkey or i think they're running some tests on uh, is able to tip in real time you can do so through the link in the description and that really helps us keep this thing going
0: who knows where you'll see us next
2: week okay so your answer to the last question leads me perfectly into two of the things I want to touch on. The first one is, okay, we live in this age of social media. Everybody kind of puts their best foot forward out there. Yeah. And so we do get that idea, like you said, that this goes perfectly in other people's houses, right? Because we we only get to see when they're, kid does respond really well to their family devotional that you assume they do every week because you know they post it when they do do it right <laughs> and, they, and they probably don't when they don't uh, yeah and so i, I think uh and, and, and okay uh, I'm gonna jump on my soapbox real quick, like step stool. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's super unhelpful when these guys who are or girls who are writing, you know, their marriage books and their parenting books, uh, they they want to paint that picture, right? Because they want to pre- yeah. paint this preferred future, and not everybody does it, but or now it's kind of popular to do like, I'm flawed, but in a cute way, uh, which, which is also. That's not, the
1: that's the podcast that somebody needs to do. I'm flawed, <laughs> but in a cute way. Yeah. .com. yeah. It's probably still available.
2: So, <laughs> so all that rambling to say, we see all these people that are so-called got it together. They've got the perfect family. And I guess my question for you is one, is that even, po- is it even possible to have the perfect family? And two, I'm assuming your answer to that is no. What are what are we really striving for? If we're saying, "Hey, we want to get our hands wrapped around this family discipleship thing," what is the end goal we're actually trying to hit?
1: Here's the scary thing. I think, I, I think one the unscary thing is that we could all admit none of us are perfect. Everybody's going to say that. Yeah, no one's going to fight for believing that they are perfect. Um, Christ alone is perfect, right? But the scary thing is that because we all acknowledge we're not perfect, that some of us would stop trying. That because mm-hmm. the scary thing is when we'd say we're not perfect, that some people would admit they don't actually want to be perfect. They're hiding behind their inability to be perfect and saying, therefore, I'm not going to try. I'm going to give up or I'm going to be discouraged instead of saying, I'm not perfect, but I believe in a God and trust in a God who whose Holy Spirit indwells me and empowers me. And that God is not only perfect, but incredibly powerful, Powerful enough even to use an imperfect man in the process by which he might save the souls of the children who live in his household. Hmm. He's powerful enough to use an imperfect couple, a couple who fights, a couple who's impatient with one another, a couple who's sometimes has, has tension even around the things of God, whether it's going to church or, or, or praying with our kids. An imperfect couple, our God is big enough to use even a couple like that in order to lead children to know him. So our imperfections are actually have, should have nothing to do with excuses, either for effort or for what you're talking about, our goal, our trajectory. I am aiming for a really delightful and fun family discipleship environment in my home. And you know what? Sometimes I get it. If I'm honest, I love it. I I love it most of the time in my house. Sometimes I come in frustrated. Sometimes I come in happy, but leave frustrated. Sometimes I'm the problem. Sometimes I think my kids are the problem. I mean, sometimes it's hard, but I don't in that moment go, you know what? Somebody else down the street's better at this. I wish my kids had been born into another family or my kids probably wish they had a different dad. And therefore uh, God made a mistake here uh, is the accusation. We may not say that explicitly, but that's the accusation. God made a mistake here by giving these kids this father or by giving this father, these kids. And that in itself is saying that it, I may be imperfect, but God's the one who made the mistake. And that's just not where we, that's not the undergirding truth for our family discipleship. The undergirding truth is that God is perfect and powerful and I get to be his instrument. Now, while I don't get the pat on the back for when it goes well, I also don't beat myself up for when it doesn't because God is sovereign over my family. He's the King of my kids, not me. And so the best version of family discipleship is rooted in grace and mercy An incredible confidence in the accomplished work of Christ on the cross that is already done for my family. That's great.
0: Yeah. I love the idea of even just, uh, I'm thinking more practically in this sense, but like setting that expectation before you have routine, you know, time together as a family, like, Hey, we may all be in a different spot, but let's remember, like, this is not, this is not us. (laughs) This is about God. Like (laughs) I could be coming from the worst place right now, but we're going to set that
1: aside and and take time to focus on God as a family. Well, the greatest expectation you create for your kids is that when you make a mistake, they can expect to hear from you, that you acknowledge it, that you recognize it, that you repent of it. If I want kids that are apologetic, then I should be apologetic. I want yeah. kids that are repentant. I should be repentant. I want imperfect kids following a perfect God. I want to, I want them to see an imperfect man following a perfect God. And the truth is, honestly, I, I'm not much of like a parenting expert or guru, but I do see things in parenting that I mostly see in myself that I feel like I need to call out in others. But there's such a permission in our culture for parental hypocrisy where it would not be unusual to see a mom or dad yelling at their kids to be quiet. I'm like right there, you're you're raising your voice, telling them they're not allowed to. Or where you would whine and complain to others about how whiny and complaining your kids are. Or you would say that your kids are bothering you the way that they're picking at each other. It's like, when they bother each other. That bothers you. And if you start to see that a lot of the rules in your household are built around how much your kids annoy you and bother you as opposed to the laws of God, then maybe the first work we need to do is on our own heart to recognize that we are holding our kids to a standard yep. that we are not willing to repent of in ourself. And if we really wanted to see our kids change in the way that they bother one another, maybe the first step would be to say, Hey kids, Y'all are being impatient with one another in a way that I am even right now being impatient with you. Mm -hmm. So let me go first. I'm sorry for my impatience towards you and around you. I'd love to see that change in my heart. And I'd love to see a change in yours. And instead of being harsh with them for being unkind, try to have a kind way of addressing their harshness. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we could work on setting an example that then we can expect to see from our kids as well. Not a perfection, but of repentance.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's great. I I, and you know same caveat you gave not a perfect parent by any means my oldest is five so I got a long way to go but <laughs> I remember early on when I had a little more energy a little more a little more gusto uh our first child was very talkative and so I I had been given that advice that you're talking about it's like getting this routine of, of repenting in front of your children of apologizing in front of your children so she's She's, you know, two months old in the back seat screaming when I'm taking her places, and I don't do well with that. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to confess you in, front of, in front of God and everybody. And so eventually <laughs> I would be like, will you just be quiet? <laughs> and I would lose it, and then I would catch myself, just me and my two-month-old in the car, and I'd be like, Lily, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah. You're laughs> and, but And she... Ne- She's never going to remember that. She does not know the difference. But no. that that was very helpful for me to make that pattern in me because it's not natural for me to say, you know what, Tanner, you you were wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I I wanted that to be a baseline in our household, and so I guess that's what I would say if if you don't have that rhythm, just start just start yeah. throwing it out there, and, and you know it's like anything else. The more you stretch the muscle, the more you're going to be quick to do it and say yeah. like, hey. Dad messed this one up. I hope you'll forgive me. You know, here's how maybe we can do this better next time. Uh, And I think that's, uh, yeah, like I said, super helpful practice. And it's going to, again, model to them what they need yeah. to be doing with Well, you know each what's other. crazy?
1: I feel like we tend to be less gracious with our own kids than we would be with anybody else. Yeah. One part, maybe because our kids reflect something on us. And so we need we need them to be appropriate because it, it makes dad look like he's good at what he does. Mm, but yeah. uh, for example, Tanner, if you got in my car today and you saw that was messy and you said, oh, Adam, your car's a little messy, I'd laugh it off. and Be like, oh yeah, it kind of is. If my kids got in the car and said, dad, the car's kind of messy. I'd be like, well, who do you think did it? Whose problem is this? It's not my, it's your fault. And then if somebody who I have a rough relationship with in my family, like let's say it was one of my parents and we weren't getting along and they said, Hey, your car's kind of messy. I'm like, that's character assassination. How dare you? Mm -hmm. But I'd be gracious with a stranger in a way that I would blame my kids. Mm -hmm. And I laugh things off with somebody else because I can make it light. But with my kids, it's like, there's so much on the line. Family discipleship feels so heavy And uh, being a parent feels so heavy that it's like, Oh, the tension in there. It's like having a, the bowstring is draw back and you're trying to just hold the arrow to keep it from flying. But sometimes the temper just releases. And I just want us to get us back to zero. Like it, Let's just be gracious enough to let ourselves off the hook and our kids off the hook. And instead of treating them like somebody who works for us, uh, maybe even worse than that, let's treat them like a human being with dignity from the time they're, you know, whether they're two months old and don't know what you're saying to them yet to the time they're, they're 20 years old or 40 years old and we're still parenting them. And I want to treat them like a real human being with real human dignity.
2: Yeah. I'm sure it never ends, but I've, I've caught myself, in that feeling a lot when the kids are little, we're out someplace and, and they throw a tantrum and yeah. you immediately go in your head of like, well, these other people's kids aren't throwing a tantrum. And you just <laughs> let all that reflect on you. Yeah. And it, it's super unhealthy. And you have to check yourself constantly in being yeah. like that it is not their fault that I feel this way. No. Uh, maybe it's we actually, can It's actually it's actually selfish again.
1: It's selfish yeah. again to feel like their their behavior is reflecting poorly on me. Mm -hmm. and in that moment, instead of being selfless and helping your kid process what they're throwing a tantrum about, we just wish they were quiet, and if if you find yourself just wishing your kid was quiet, that's not actually parenting, that's actually ignoring parenting, that's saying Mm -hmm. I'd rather put parenting aside and just be not bothered.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's actually really humbling for me, uh, because I remember before being a parent, being at the grocery store, seeing kids throw fits, and judging the parents which you know (laughs) obviously was wrong but thinking back i'm like yeah man i If I have kids, I'm never going to be like that. And then I have kids and I'm exactly like that. I'm like, I get it now.
1: Okay. (laughs) Well, and every family is different. Every kid is different. When you have your first kid, you think it's a result of your parenting. And then you have your second kid and you're like, oh my goodness, I haven't changed. But this is a totally different human. Mm -hmm. And you you have to recognize that uh, when we're out in the grocery store and some kid's throwing a tantrum and you judge because maybe you have a well-behaved child. And you're like, well, it must be a result of my parenting. Well, maybe they got a kid that's more difficult than yours. And in that moment, instead of judging them, thank God in that moment and be grateful for the kid he's given you, maybe offer assistance, maybe pray for that family right there. But it may not always be a result of how gifted a mom or dad is and how well-behaved a kid is.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so true. That's great. Something you touched on a a few times that uh, I think a a friend of ours has some helpful language around, which is uh, you need to understand that parenting is real life. Right, so you talk about your your kids bothering you or this kind of ignoring that you get into, Um, and he's just saying start there. Like when your kid comes up and and you want them to just be quiet and go away and manage themselves so that you can get back to your real life. He's like, that's what you have to shut down. This is all real life. That's a part of it. This is what you do now. Yeah. And and that's kind of the baseline you you need to be at. And I think that's a helpful reminder in this day where everyone has like a side hustle and they're trying to make something of themselves. Like, okay, let's, let's go back to our first priorities. You know, Christian husband or wife, parent, and and let's start there. And then, yeah, if you if you need to sell some things on the side, that's good for you, man. I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad that's a good the talent you have. But uh, I've always thought that's a good a good framework to put things in. Okay. So next question, you kind of talked about this weight we feel around family discipleship, and I think a lot of us, it's it's can seem so heavy because we personally are struggling with our own faith. Like, we're just trying to read our Bible regularly, let alone, uh, you know, carrying all this pressure to make sure our kids, you know, are are winning Bible challenge or, you know, becoming uh, the the next, you know, the next apostle. Uh, And so (laughs) what do you say the parent who's wanting to do a good job discipling their children but feels overwhelmed?
1: Uh, that's a great question. I think one, you're not going to be alone in that. Uh, every parent's going to feel overwhelmed. So if you're looking around comparing yourself and thinking, why why can everybody else handle this and I just cannot, that's a lie. Uh, one of the things I would also call you to is to remember that first and foremost, foremost, before you are even a mother or a father, you are a child of God. You are a child of God who has also received grace because you also have, will come up short will fall short and be in need of help, be in need of strength from somebody else who's strong, be in need of wisdom from somebody else who's wise. That's who you are. You are insufficient. You need a savior. You are not the savior. Your kids need Jesus more than they need you. And so what you have to offer them is actually someone else. And what you need is actually someone else. Not more of you would not solve this. Not a better version of you would resolve your parenting. What you need is Jesus Christ. And what we, what we all need in that moment is to remember that if if we were to stand before God and present him with what we're beating ourselves up with his response would almost never be you're right to beat yourself up about that mm. in this circumstance if you're bringing to him and saying god i feel overwhelmed by the discipleship of my home he may say you should feel overwhelmed if you're trying to do this on your own
2: yeah but
1: i don't think our god does it he looks at our problems and goes that's exactly why you needed my son jesus christ That's exactly why I'm with you. That's why I'm empowering you through my spirit. If you're thinking you're doing this on your own, the problem is not that you're not doing a good enough job. It's that you have a a mindset that's twisted. This is a crooked generation. It's hard to remember that what God is asking you to do is something that he does in and with you, not something he's burdened you with and is crossing his fingers, hoping you're going to get it right. Like our God is so much greater than we typically give him credit for when we think about our parenting. When we think about our parenting as all of our mistakes. And I'm always afraid that my kids' uh, only memories will be of my worst moments as a parent, or that their first memories will be of my angriest or any of those things. But those are, those are self-centered, insecure thoughts. Those are not what we see in Hebrews, a person who's confident to, to walk into the presence of God. Confident to walk in the presence of God, not because I nailed it, but because Christ's righteousness is what covers me. I walk through what it says, the curtain is the torn flesh of Jesus Christ. And therefore, I can walk confidently into the presence of God. Now, Paul would say, do I, because of grace, just go, well, then it doesn't matter what I do. does it, Should I just keep on sinning? By no means. We don't say because we are forgiven parents who are easily uh, overwhelmed. I guess it's fine to be overwhelmed, so it's fine to give up. No, we say, I'm going to keep putting my best energy towards this. And I think there's a couple of cultural lies that work against us. One primary one, I think is important for us because we're talking a lot about the home. One of the cultural lies, because we live in a consumerist culture that wants to sell you shampoo and and recliners and TV shows, is that your home should be a place of relaxation and vacation. Mm. And so when you get home from work, you should be able to punch out and just relax. There should be a hot meal that doesn't take long to create, and it should be delicious. There should be a TV show that's very entertaining. There should be something to relax you. And that you will not see that principle in the Gospels. You will see in the Bible, the principle of Sabbath, that we rest in order to worship God, but you don't see home is a vacation. That's an American idea. And what I want parents to realize, maybe part of the reason you feel overwhelmed is because you're pressuring yourself and not relaxing. Well, relaxation that the Bible calls you to is rest in God, what God is able to accomplish. And the work you're called to is not work during the day and punch out when you get home. If you're in a home where mom's trying to do this and dad is like, well, I just want to come home and relax, then we have a heart issue. where We need to say, well, I need you to punch in when you get home. This is when you're going to work, not when you're off work. This is the primary call in your life. And I get why that makes people feel overwhelmed. But honestly, it, I wish it was the opposite. I wish you felt overwhelmed when you also have to have a job. Like you, you're a parent, but you also have to have a job. And that's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But because we find so much of our identity in work, in the yeah. occupations we have, it's a lot easier to go, well, that's that's where I thrive. Home is difficult. Home, I keep secret, keep hidden, keep away. My friends don't see it. My coworkers don't see it. We don't ask about it. I mean, when's the last time an accountability partner asked you, how is it going leading your wife and kids? Like, how's family discipleship in your house? It's not a question we even ask. We ask about lust and greed and anger. But I want to get over the cultural lie that home is a place of relaxation or that relaxation and entertainment is rest. Rest is worship of God. So when you get home and you get to lead your kids in worship, that is rest. And that's the work we do in our homes.
0: That's really good. That's great, man. Uh, Yeah, I've never thought through that process before. So hearing that is uh, convicting and and very good. Good. I I think those short
2: paradigm shifts can can always be really helpful right uh, it's like thinking about um like thinking about tithing like when when you shift to thinking like no i'm going to give this 10% first and then worry about the rest, it stops seeming like, well, how am I going to give God 10% after this and after that and after? just twist it around and reorder it rightly, and it really helps you, like like I said earlier, just prioritize and figure out, like, oh, no, 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 my first responsibility is to my wife and to my kids. And then I also have to work, Uh, and, and that's a good thing that I can do to the glory of God, but it's not... It's, it's down the
1: list. Well, that's why I think the Bible makes it so clear with elders it says, if, if this home thing is not going well, you're not qualified for the other job. This is the first brighter. So if you look at an elder and you go, man, he'd be such a great leader of our church. He's a great manager of people. He's a great teacher. He's holy. He's qualified. His home's kind of a mess, but you know what? We can overlook that. The Bible says, no, if, if the home is a mess, how can you expect this guy to manage the affairs of the church? And so it makes it clear the priority, even in, in my occupation, it's easier because that's the one listed, it's the elder. If my home life is a mess, I can't do my job. And yet in so many jobs, we'd say, well, my family's my priority. But what we really mean is if my family were on fire and my job were on fire, I'd go home. But my family, as long as they're not on fire, can wait at home while I go and do everything else I want to do.
2: Yeah. Okay. Adam, I want people to read the book and I want people to listen to the new podcast, but can you give us the teaser trailer version, at least, of the framework that you guys use in the book of time, moments, and milestones?
1: Yeah, in the, in the book, we, we try to create a framework that is uh, general enough to be able to fit any family, no matter what age they are, no matter what your theological training is, whether your kids are uh, older, younger, disabled, you're a single mom, whoever it is, there's a framework that we feel fits really well. It actually fits to a lot of different versions of discipleship, but we believe this is really helpful for families. The first one is, is modeling, and we talk about your genuine walk with God personally, that you are actually a follower of Christ and that you repent where and where you, where you and when you fall short. And then we talk about time moments and milestones. And a lot of the book is dedicated to helping you plan what would that look like in your own home. Time is those kind of appointed times throughout the week or the month or the year. We're saying this is when our family is focused in on talking about God and it's on the calendar. For my house of the age kids we have, that's bedtime every night. That's Sundays when we go to church. That's when we're serving together. That's prayer nights for our church. It's things on the calendar that we're saying our family is doing this together to honor our God. Then family discipleship moments are not on the calendar, but they happen all the time. There's just Mm -hmm. opportunities throughout the every day that you use to leverage for opportunities to talk about godly characteristics and uh, our characteristics of God and godly character. So it could be um, like discipline. When my kid gets in trouble at school, I didn't have that on the calendar. I didn't say, hey, on Tuesday, one of my (laughs) sons is going to the principal office. When he gets home, we're going to have a talk. Those just happen. Yeah. And so when that conversation comes, the book, we talk about how are you going to be prepared to point to God in that moment? It's not just about consequences and punishment. We're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about mercy. We're going to talk about what God wants us and why he wants us and what he wants from us. And and so family discipleship moments can be anything from seeing a bird out the window and talking about the design that God has in the universe to having an opportunity where um, uh, a kid watched something on television that you just caught a glimpse of and you're like, man, that does not honor the Lord. Let's talk about that for a minute. Or maybe you're watching something on TV and it really does connect with the gospel. Hey, let me take this opportunity to point out something true about God. It's just happening all the time. And then lastly is the family discipleship milestones, which are kind of a greater version of both. It's, It's sometimes these just happen. Sometimes you get to make them happen, but it's how you celebrate and commemorate the high points and low points of a kid's life or a family's life to point out how God is faithful. So that might be something like, uh, man, when your kid graduates high school, when they get baptized, uh, uh, it might be something really hard. It might be when their kid has their first breakup uh, or when they uh, maybe have an abusive incident, maybe when a loved one dies. But you have these things. Some of them are predictable. You know when your kid's going to graduate high school usually. You know that your kid's going to turn a certain age. You know when Christmas is, when Thanksgiving is. And so ways of taking those opportunities to point to God's faithfulness. And then some happen unexpectedly, like somebody passing away, your kid coming to know the Lord. Things that you didn't plan for, but you have a chance to to come alongside something really memorable and point to God's faithfulness. And you see all of these time moments and milestones throughout the scripture. You see Christ have appointed times where he's preaching sermons. You have him point out things that are going on around him, like you have moments. You have milestones like the the Last Supper where he's saying, you guys are going to do a ritual based on this moment. And every time you do this, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. you see the people of Israel setting up stones and going, hey, these stones are going to remind you and your kids what God has done here. Those are milestones. And so that framework, modeling time moments and milestones, is what we kind of build uh, the plan for family discipleship around so that whatever your household looks like and how you operate, you fill out, this is is how I'm going to be a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, and this is the expectations we have for our family.
2: Hmm. I I love the way that you guys use a framework instead of just saying here's a plan you know every yeah. thursday I do this right cuz like you said it, uh, sometimes we get those and i think usually pretty quickly you find out it's just never a perfect fit for what you do so you guys kind of give us these big buckets and say you can use these to make a plan that fits you that right. works for you i mean so right now my my wife works nights um, and so there's a lot of things that other people do that don't work for us right, right. We, we're kind of ships in the night sometimes of when we no. link up and can talk to the kids together and all that stuff. So just having a framework that we can say, let's just apply these big ideas to the reality of our family was was yeah. really, really helpful.
1: My family, my wife works nights. So for us having a united language, like if I'm there, we're saying this. If she's there, we're saying this. If, yep. if I'm here, this is the routine. If she's there, this is the routine. If, if both of us are there getting to do it together, that's great too. And that's a regular part of our family's rhythm as well. But we have a similar life, Tanner.
2: That's great. Okay, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I think the framework is helpful. I think you've given us a lot of things that, that are encouraging and, and help lift some of that weight we often put on our shoulders of having to be these perfect parents. But the last question I would ask is, okay, we, we start this, we, we get moving, and then we get stuck. What yeah. do we do? Who do we turn to? Where can we find help when, when we run into something we don't know how to handle?
1: Yeah, what if we get stuck? I think, one, I don't think any family is called to do this alone. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to come around family. So uh, hopefully, you're plugged into a local congregation with a pastor that you trust that you could reach out to and say, "I'm struggling with leading my family at home," and say, "Will you please disciple me in it?" That's the role of a pastor. That's what your church should be doing: is both discipling you and and coming alongside you. It's why so many kids or so many churches now have kids ministers, kids ministries. These are people who are trained. They think about this all the time. How do we disciple kids? And it's not just how do we keep your kids safe while you're away from them? It's how do we come alongside a family to disciple them with you? That's the best version of this. It's not churches do this and families do that. It's churches and families are doing this together. And there's some cooperation there. There are also a ton of great resources out there. Like I said, there's not a lot of great resources that help you plan this and that's why we wrote the book is to make a plan but there are a ton of great resources to help you do this so if you want to find a great children's bible you want to find a great children's devotional you want to find some great uh worship you want to find a book you have older kids you want to read a book together watch a movie together watch a show together that creates opportunities for this that's that that's out there and there's tons of it but if you are truly stuck and maybe you have a defiant kid or a resistant kid, and you're worn down, I think the parable of the prodigal, prodigal son is so good for parents to remember that God is not looking at you, shaking his head and going, gosh, I wish you had your act together, but rather we have a compassionate God who's not only willing to welcome in the imperfect parent who wants help, but is waiting on the doorstep for the kid who's been resistant and rebellious, and there is no lost cause for the gospel. So there's no reason for us to lose hope for the kid who doesn't know it yet. So there are a ton of resources. I hope you lean on your local church, but remember who your God is. Your God is not only the one who called you to it. He's the one who empowers you for it. He doesn't promise it's going to be easy. No one is promising family discipleship will be easy. No one should think that parenting is easy, but also we need to remember it is not easy to be a kid. No one is saying uh, being a child is easy. So I wish you guys would get your act together. All of us can remember to have hormones that were out of control. We remember what that was like. You remember what it was like to have uh, anger that you could not control or impatience or to be hurt by a bully or to be physically hurt or to be abandoned by a friend. It is so not easy to be a kid. So we will not invalidate their feelings. Or treat them less than, but treat them like a human being who has real uh, adult-level problems without the rationality to be able to navigate them for the mm. most part.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's super, super awesome. Uh, hey, we're going to be encouraging our listeners to listen to your podcast. And I'm sure you've hit on a lot of things that you'll cover on the podcast uh, in some way, shape or form. But can you give us just a little bit of idea before we go on what types of topics and things you'll be
1: covering on the show? That's great. In the first season, in the episodes we recorded so far, and we've got uh, several more to go, but we'll have some guests. We'll have Jen Wilkin on to talk about what family discipleship has looked in her house. Now as she the transitioned best. to being a grandmother, she really is the best. We'll have we <laughs> have Matt Chandler on to talk about what it looks like in his house, and we'll have guests on like that. Maybe people you've heard of, and you want a window into what it looks like in spiritual leadership. Sure. We'll also have guests on for a particular topics. So we interviewed this last week Trillian Newbell, who wrote a couple books on helping kids talk through race and diversity. Mm-hmm. We'll talk through why race and diversity is an important conversation for your spiritual leadership in your home. Uh, We've had an episode where we just talk about what ifs. Some of the questions you guys asked today, like what if you get stuck? We have a whole episode where we just walk through a lot of the what ifs. What if? What if my kids are hyperactive? What if they're? a resistant? What if I just became a believer? What if my spouse is not interested in helping me with that? And try to tackle some of the common questions we hit. Uh, But we have that way of special guests. And then we have topical episodes. Some of them are just us. And I'm hoping in the future that once we get up and rolling, we'll be able to do one-off episodes about current events. Like right now, if we did an episode right now on how to talk to your kids about what's happening in Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and how to spiritually lead your home through it. That'd be a good example of what I hope in the future we're able to turn around quickly and put out there so we can help parents right now with conversations they're having right now with their kids.
2: That's awesome, man. I think that's going to be a super helpful uh, resource for people. I encourage you guys to check it out. It's the Family Discipleship Podcast. If you're listening to this, it's already out. Go check it out. Uh, And thank you guys for listening to this show as well. As always, you can find us on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Hit us up, let us know what you think. Let us know who you want us to talk to next and what you want us to talk about. And you can also email us directly at hello at bibleandstuff.com. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. The Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts. So if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.